Hello and welcome to The Motherhood Guide, where it's all about making your experiences of pregnancy, birth and motherhood better. I'm your host Kelly, a mum of two, a hypnobirthing teacher and birth educator, and I'm here to help you thrive in motherhood rather than simply just survive. Let's get started. How to survive the fourth trimester. Now we all know about the first, the second and the third trimester that make up our pregnancy, but the fourth trimester... Genuinely, it really is a thing. It is a natural thing. And for me, I just felt like, really? Nobody wanted to give me a heads up about this part. Nobody's going to tell me about that. I went into the fourth trimester with my first baby blind, I tell you. I had no idea what was about to hit me. And it is such an intense period of time. So why is nobody talking about it? Why is nobody giving you tips? Why is nobody actually going into depth about what's going on in this time period? I don't know, but I am here to help today, okay? Because having perspective on what is actually going on during that time, it definitely does make a huge difference to how manageable it then feels and becomes. So what is the fourth trimester? The fourth trimester is going to be that 12-week period that follows the birth of your baby. So the first three months of their life. And it's a massive period to change for you and for your baby as well as she's both settling into this new life. It's a big, big change going from not being needed by anyone but yourself and kind of only answering to your own needs to then having to go to answering the needs of a little one who is needing so much from you at all hours of the day. And then from your baby's perspective as well, it's completely different. So let's break it down and go into what is actually happening as we enter the fourth trimester. I do think that we kind of forget how huge an experience birth is and if we look at it from like the baby's perspective my goodness what a huge experience for them and even the most straightforward of births you know that go absolutely perfectly to plan and there's no problems there's no issues no interventions even those straightforward births are still going to be really overwhelming for mum and baby because birth is just huge okay and think of what the baby is actually experiencing during a birth so they're having to use a lot a lot a lot of their energy And there is always going to be those contractions that are pressing against the baby's body. This might feel even more intense if your waters have broke at any point because they don't have that sack around them to protect them a little bit. I always think of it being a bit like they're sitting in a balloon that's obviously a bit softer when the muscles contract against them versus when they don't have that balloon there. So that can be quite intense. They're also getting squeezed. There's all those little plates that make up their head that are going to get kind of squished and overlapped to help make that surface area smaller so that you can birth your baby as well. So it's quite a lot that's happening to their bodies while they're trying to get out of your body, okay? It is quite a big experience for them. And then obviously if you do add in other kind of circumstances or complications in birth, then you can only expect that that process then does feel even more intense for them. For example, forceps. We do know that a potential side effect of having those in your birth is that baby can experience grazes, they can experience cuts, they might be a little bit bruised, they might be a little bit sore afterwards. So, you know, that is going to feel difficult for them for sure and then they are born and all of a sudden they are thrust into a life that is so completely different for them think back to how life was for them in the womb okay so complete darkness 
they were in water 24-7, they were always with mum, so they could always smell mum, they could always hear her heartbeat, and that would have been a source of comfort for them. All the sounds around them are going to be muffled, because as much as they can hear, babies can definitely hear what's going on outside of the womb, it is still going to be very muffled, do you know, it's not going to be these intense loud noises that they're hearing, because they are protected a little bit from that. And I think it is really key here to remember that when babies first come out, they can't see everything either. Everything's super, super bloody. I think it's about for like three weeks and then they start to develop their sight as time goes on. But yeah, everything's super, super bloody. So they're hearing all of these loud sounds and they've got no idea what is going on. They can't see anything. They're just having to kind of figure out what's going on for themselves. And that can be quite a lot, I can imagine. They also would never have experienced hunger or thirst. And can you imagine experiencing hunger the first time? I'm still, at my 29 years of age, not good at experiencing hunger. I am not good. So I can only imagine what that is like to experience for the first time. They have never experienced that before in their life because they're always getting that constant supply from the placenta during pregnancy. Oxygen as well. They've never had to breathe on their own because they're getting that from the placenta. They've just been chilling in the womb like, this is the life, man. So their temperature has always been regulated in the womb as well. It's always going to be at your body temperature. So... They've never experienced even being cold or like sensations like a gust of air coming over them. Like all of these wee simple things that we actually completely take for granted. They've never experienced that before. So they are, they're experiencing a lot of sensations for the first time. So picture then when they come out of the womb, they have this huge birth experience and then they get thrust into this life and probably, especially if you're in the hospital, they're then going to experience bright lights and it might be noisy, it might be loud, there might be a lot of strangers' voices that sound way louder than they did when they were in the womb and they're now going to feel that difference in being away from mum and that's going to feel really strange for them and they're going to be like, what the hell is going on? This place is weird, I don't like it. So now they are going to have a lot of needs that were automatically met before that they are now going to have to look to be fulfilled and it's not going to be immediate. That's going to be tough for them. They're not going to be happy about that, okay? So what you can expect, for sure, in the fourth trimester is lots and lots and lots of feeding. And what you will probably find, especially in those really early days, is that it's going to be little and often. Their stomachs are absolutely tiny. And I remember when I went to my antenatal classes with the midwives and... They were showing us pictures of how teeny tiny their little stomachs were. And I think like day one, it's something mental, like their stomach's the size of a cherry or something like that. So that is so small, so small. So little and often is what you are going to expect, especially in those very, very early days. Okay, they're just going to want little amounts of food really frequently. And over time, you will see that that will start to stretch out a little bit and you'll get more space between the bottles. But also, if you're breastfeeding, things are slightly different. Now, I am not the best person to speak to about breastfeeding because I generally have only breastfed for really short periods of time, as much as I wanted to. And I just, I know myself that I don't have the knowledge required to support you the best way 
and breastfeed in. I do hope to have somebody on the podcast at some point that is going to be a lot more knowledgeable and helpful so we can have a chat about that because I think that that's a topic that is so valuable to be covered and we do really, really need to be prepared. So absolutely, if you're pregnant right now thinking and planning for breastfeeding, please try and do as much research as you can because I think that having that knowledge beforehand is really important if you want to establish breastfeeding. But what I would suggest is lactation consultants are absolutely amazing for supporting you with breastfeeding. So if you are breastfeeding, you're still going to have to do a lot, a lot of feeding. And in those really early days, you can expect your baby to cluster feed, which essentially means that they will want to be on the breast really, really often. All that suckling that they do on the breast, that's all encouraging your milk to come in. So it can feel like they're literally never off your boob. And that's really difficult because especially if you are breastfeeding, then you can't really get help in that sense you just kind of need, need to see that part through and just accept help in all other ways that you can get it. So whether that means somebody else helping change nappies and, you know, getting them into their clothes and stuff like that. So I will put some resources in the show notes for you of people that are way better explaining the different parts of breastfeeding to you and giving you that support. So another thing that is absolutely normal in this fourth trimester is that baby is going to really want to be close to mum, okay? It's a need that they will need to be fulfilled. And it does make sense when you think about it because how much of a shock it must be to them to then now be out of your body. And when babies come out, they actually don't know that they're a single entity yet. So being apart from you must feel a bit like missing a limb. And what that means is that definitely you will expect them to want to be on you at all times and you will probably see them sleeping a lot but only on you. And that's really tough for us because for me experiencing the first trimester it was always like oh you need to put your baby down and if you hold them all the time and let them sleep on you all the time then you're just creating a rod for your own back and the baby will get spoiled and all of this negative talk. Whereas I was like Yeah, but if I put my baby down, she will literally scream her head off and then I feel awful. So what are you meant to do? It kind of feels like you're between a rock and a hard place. And that's rubbish. I had such a strong pull to just want to cuddle and hold my baby all the time, but I also felt so much guilt that I was doing it as if I was doing something wrong. And I felt like I needed to put them down because then was I being a bad mum if I didn't? put them down because in my head I thought that that's what I had to do to be a good mum so there is so many societal issues that make that difficult and I do feel like the tides are kind of turning now and we are becoming a lot more used to meeting that need of baby being close to mum but there is also other issues that come into that too because it's difficult if you don't have much help you know, it's if everything is falling on you, then it is difficult to hold your baby 24-7. And I totally get that. And it can feel really claustrophobic as well. I do remember that too, where at some point it's, it kind of felt like I was in chains. And don't get me wrong, I have loved my babies from the minute that they were born, absolutely. But yeah, it does feel claustrophobic. And I did feel touched out numerous, numerous days because I was just like I just want to not have something on me you know and it can be really really hard to rest 
as well if you're holding your baby because obviously in the back of your head you've got worries about potentially dropping your baby or anything scary like that so that is where it becomes difficult it's all fine and well for us to say well baby needs to be close to you so hold them all the time but you know there is those caveats where it becomes a bit difficult so what I found really helpful in that time period where they just wanted to be on me all the time was using a sling or a carrier and this is what I absolutely did with my second I wasn't as familiar with sling wearing with my first but for my second he was a sling baby he was literally like a little kangaroo getting carried around in the joy pouch and I absolutely loved it to be honest I absolutely loved it so sling wearing honestly I feel like that is so beneficial because when baby does need to be close to you but you also need your hands free so that you can do everything else I literally used to just get up in the morning I would pop the sling on and because slings are all like material there's not really any buckles or plastic digging into you or anything like that I just found it so comfortable and so easy to wear so I would just put it on as soon as I got up and then I would literally just put my son in and out the sling all day you know take him out for his feeds if he needed his feeds or he needed his nappy changed but it meant that I was then able to get up I could make my coffee I could make my breakfast I could play with my daughter I could get her sorted for the day get her dressed I could go to the toilet I could get ready I could pack bags to go out like it was just so much easier him being in the sling and what I found as well is that he actually just napped so much better See, in those early days, like those early weeks, it was so easy because literally just me walking about, like he would just fall asleep in the sling. And what I will say, though, is that it is a wee bit of a knack that you have to get. So there's loads and loads of videos on YouTube on how to wear the sling and how to get baby into it safely and stuff like that. It does take a bit of practice, But honestly, see, once you've got it down, it is easy peasy and you will not look back. So as much as, you know, if baby's crying when they're first in it, they might not be very comfortable. So just have a little look at the fit and make sure that you're doing everything eh, as the videos state. But absolutely, once you get the sling wearing down, you will not look back. I promise it is life changing. But obviously, even when they're in the sling, you know, it's difficult for you to rest. You can obviously sit down, but you can't go to sleep with your baby in the sling. And there's a couple of things that I can suggest uh, with this. And it probably depends on how much help that you've got around you. I hope that you've got a lot of help, but I know that not everybody does. So I would definitely be speaking to your partner, whether that's your birth partner, whoever you're living with, that is going to help you with your baby, whether that would be like a mum, a sister an auntie, a friend, whatever, if you've got somebody around you that can help you, absolutely try and take shifts because it's really normal, especially in those really early weeks where baby might not know the difference between day and night and that's difficult for you to get that rest in if they just want to be held that entire time. So could you potentially have somebody there with you to take it in shifts where you can maybe do little stints so you can both get sleep I know that that becomes more difficult, especially if your birth partner goes back to work um, after a short period of time as well. So I totally understand. There's only so much you can do with that. This might be a little bit controversial, but I would strongly recommend if your baby is really not comfortable with being put down, can you potentially consider 
co-sleeping. And the Lullaby Trust is a good resource for you to have a look at in the UK with some guidance on how to safely co-sleep. And I know not everybody wants to do it. I do feel like this is another societal thing where it's almost like, oh my goodness, it's the word that nobody ever wants to speak about, like Voldemort or something like that. Nobody wants to admit that they co-sleep. But I tell you, so many women and families are doing it, okay? Whether they're telling you or not. Co-sleeping is happening. And I don't think that there's any problem with that. It is biologically pretty normal to co-sleep. And you know what? See if you're doing it safely and it means that you're both getting rest. What the hell is wrong with it? I don't think that there's anything wrong with it. So, you know, don't knock it until you've tried it. I would highly recommend having a wee look into co-sleeping and seeing if that could be the right fit for your family. As long as you do it safely, I really don't think that there's a problem with that. And it doesn't mean that your baby is going to sleep in your bed forever. I mean, I will fully admit that with my second, he did not like to sleep, okay? So we literally, we co-slept with him from about four months to ten months and then he started to have that natural kind of want to have his own space and stuff like that. He wasn't settling so well in our bed and then we transitioned him into his room. So they're not going to sleep with you forever, okay? They're not going to be 17-year-olds climbing into your bed and still wanting a snuggle every time they have a nightmare. Like, they are going to grow out of that at some point for sure. And if it gives you the rest that you need and it's it's going to save your sanity, then I absolutely think that that's a good thing and we should not be shaming mums for doing it. Another thing that can be really good is obviously just really encouraging whenever you can, having that skin-to-skin time with your baby and having that opportunity to bond with them. Skin-to-skin is really powerful for producing those hormones that are required for bonding. So I do think that it's really important that we do encourage skin-to-skin, not only immediately after the birth, but during that postpartum period, I think that skin-to-skin is still really important. And if baby's really fussy, actually sometimes just doing skin-to-skin can be enough to kind of turn that round as well. So skin-to-skin is another little good tip. So when you begin to understand what has actually changed for your baby, I think it is a lot clearer why they do so much crying. And I know nobody wants to hear it, but crying is so normal so normal especially in this fourth trimester period okay babies are more likely to cry within this three month period than they are at any other period of their life and it is thought that this crying peaks around week six so that is really hard it's hard on baby it's hard on you and I can't sugarcoat it and pretend that listening to your baby cry is not awful because it absolutely is and you know we automatically associate crying with something really bad we only usually cry when something bad happens when we're hurt when we're really sad when we're really angry most of the time I know some people cry happy tears but most of the time we associate crying with being something really bad and you know shameful and negative so it makes sense that that feels tough for us But what we need to kind of remember, and I think it can be really helpful to take you out of that perspective and remind yourself that actually this isn't something bad. Remember, this is their only way to communicate. They literally can't communicate their needs any other way other than crying. So it is just their form of talking to you and communicating what it is that they actually need. So it is completely okay to be really responsive to that. 
and mums are actually designed to have a hormonal response to crying and it is supposed to provoke really intense feelings and send us into this fight or flight mode so that we are encouraged by nature to want to help the baby and it's just to protect baby and essentially to help them survive so cortisol is released when our baby starts crying so that we can be responsive and we are going to try our best to fix the problem and that is why that that pull feels so intense when your baby starts crying like oh my god I need to figure this out now and I need to make this crying stop right now that is why that happens which makes so much sense when you think about it doesn't it but like I said I think we do need to take ourselves out of that perspective of thinking that the situation isn't safe because naturally because you are going into this fight or flight response that might be how that feels initially like something really bad is happening and you're not safe or your baby's not safe so take yourself out of that and remind yourself that you are safe and you're going to figure it out your baby's not going to cry forever you're going to figure it out and I feel like once you start to approach crying like that it actually feels a lot less intense and a lot more manageable. So moving on from how baby feels, how should you feel? So in this fourth trimester period and especially in the first few days after you've gave birth, this is literally going to be the biggest hormone change that you will ever experience in your life, okay? You've also got the intensity of your birth to process and especially if there was any negative birth experience in there, that can be really emotional You're also dealing with this tiredness because you've been through the birth experience and then you're also now having to go through all these sleepless nights. So you can assume that that is going to kind of wreak havoc on your emotions. And what you might experience off the back of this hormonal change is something called baby blues. Baby blues affects up to 80% of women after they give birth. And women who experience the baby blues can expect to feel down for a little while shortly after having their baby. What can also happen as well, though, is that it can feel like your emotions are really erratic. So it can be periods of really intense sadness, but then also in the next five minutes feeling way better. And you're like, I don't even know what I was crying about. But keep in mind as well that during this time period, you're also going to be processing your birth. And like I always say, even if that birth was straightforward and everything went exactly how you wanted it to, that is still an intense experience and you still need to process that and you still need to let all those feelings and thoughts from that settle. So for sure, those first two weeks after you've had your baby, it is so normal to feel like you're on this roller coaster of emotion and one day you're up, one day you're down. You also might feel 30 different emotions in one day or one hour. But what you would be looking to happen is that within about 10 to 14 days after the birth, that should start to feel like it's settling a little bit, okay? But what we do need to keep in mind is that obviously we are still going to have to deal with a lot of crying from our baby and that is never going to be easy and even then you're still going to have good days and you're still going to have bad days and that's okay. It doesn't say anything about you as a mum to have a bad day and to find it really difficult to cope with your baby crying. It's completely normal and regardless of what other people are saying or what you're seeing, Absolutely everybody is experiencing bad days as well as the good. What we do need to remember though is that if you are feeling like the feelings that you're having are really severe or you have any thoughts of harming yourself or your baby, please make sure you speak to your midwife, your GP, your health visitor or emergency healthcare providers urgently. And of course, 
if you can, please make sure that you tell your loved ones around you so that they can help support you too. But let's move on to some things that can help you in this fourth trimester period. So I think the first thing that's really important is to have realistic expectations, okay? You now have listened to this podcast, you've now got a bit more of an insight into what it is actually like in the fourth trimester. It is normal for it to feel intense, it's normal for it to be very up and down, and try your best not to let comparison steal all the joy out at this time period as well. It's really normal for you to see all these pictures on Instagram and Facebook of, you know, mums all dolled up and they're looking great, mums bouncing back and away on days out and it can feel like you're really falling short, like you're just not ready for any of that yet. And there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. That's not me shading. I'm just saying we've all seen that but not all of us are going to be that person either, okay? And that is totally fine. It's okay to deal with your postpartum journey in a completely different way from, say, your best friend or your sister or whoever. But even if there's people out there that are making it look easy, I guarantee that they have had their hard days too. They're sitting crying at four in the morning when they can't get their baby to stop crying as well or they can't put them down to have a shower Believe me, we're all going through the exact same things, no matter what people are telling you about, no matter what they are showcasing. We're all individual people and you just need to tune in to what your needs are in that time period. So try your best not to compare what other people are doing on social media. And keep in mind that this is a brand new person that you're trying to get to know in this time period as well. So also please don't feel like you're feeling if you're not getting things immediately if you don't immediately know what this cry means and that cry means although by the way I've never figured out what cry means what so I don't even know if that is a thing can I just tell you that so yeah you are having to get to know your baby okay and it's going to take time right you could never expect to just meet someone off the street and immediately know what their needs are and how they communicate those needs and what they like and what they dislike. So don't expect that from your brand new baby either. Obviously their needs are way more simple than uh, the average adult but but overall it's going to take time for you to get to know how you can best fulfill those needs. So be gentle with yourself okay and don't beat yourself up if it doesn't feel like everything's clicking immediately. Remember as well that you don't need to be going out and doing things all the time. It's perfectly okay to rest as much as possible. It's perfectly okay to take it really slow. You don't need to be going out to every coffee shop. You don't need to be visiting all the family members. You don't need to be going out for dinners and lunches. You don't need to be going to baby classes. You don't need to do any of that if you don't want to. If that doesn't align with what your needs are for that time period, then don't do it it's perfectly okay to take it slow and I always think it's so interesting because see if you compare what we do in our culture in the UK to what people in other cultures out with the UK do it does a little bit feel like we're getting it all wrong for example in China they do a 30-day confinement where they have kind of guideline rules when it's stuff like you know not leaving the house and having somebody else cook for you and clean for you and stuff like that and I'm like there's so much we could take from that that would really benefit women in the UK as well you know I think that they're really getting a lot of that right for sure so I do think that it's important for you to talk to your partner or whoever it is that you're going to be staying with for this postpartum period about your recovery and I would encourage you to plan both for a recovery from a vaginal birth and from a c-section birth regardless of what your plans are just in case 
and talk about what your needs would be in each situation and where you can get help from your partner. So for instance, a C-section, it might be really difficult for you to lift baby out of their cot or their Moses basket. So can that be something that your partner can help with? And what then happens if your partner's not there? Do you maybe have somebody else that can come and help? Think of all these things for your recovery and how you can make that process as easy as possible. Rest as much as you need to within that fourth trimester. I think we don't put much emphasis on that in our culture at the moment either. Visitors as well. This is always a contentious subject. I personally think that it can be good to try and avoid as many visitors as possible. It's so okay to protect your peace and to make sure that you communicate and need, if that's there, that you want to have a little bit more space in those immediate weeks, absolutely, please do that and please don't feel bad about it. And the people that love you should always understand. Um, Obviously, I don't mean the people that are your support system because they are obviously going to be of benefit to you. It's great to have the help. It's great to have somebody there to support you. But what I mean is like, why is that family member that you've not seen for three years now visiting you at two weeks postpartum? You know, that's not necessarily helpful or necessary because you probably don't feel comfortable enough with them to be like, listen, I feel like I'm going to burst into tears. Can you please go? (laughs) Because I always remember uh, with my first, I was awful at having so many visitors that I really should not have done because I was far too emotionally fragile and I remember somebody being there that I never ever really spent time with I definitely wasn't fully comfortable and I was holding back tears the entire time I just felt awful I just wanted to have my baby back and cuddle her and not have somebody else hold her and oh I was And it was just awful. So I think, you know, maybe make that clear from the outset who is going to be visiting you and who is not. And it's perfectly fine for you to say no to visitors. Don't feel bad about that. I think that it's also really important for you to get that time to bond with your baby as well. Like I said, sometimes it can be really hard for you to hand your baby over to other people. And that's okay if you feel that way. There's nothing wrong with you if you feel that way. Some people also really do welcome having visitors though and they actually like being able to show off their baby and they feel super duper proud and they like somebody else taking a shot of the baby so that they can get up and do other things. It's always going to be personal choice with the visitors. So have a think about that and decide what feels best for you. What I would say is if you are going to have visitors, think about can you potentially be asking them to do something that's actually going to help you. And I know that this is going to be really hard for most people because this is not the norm. We don't usually welcome people into our house and say, hey, please can you do my dishes for me? But I feel like the people that should be around you in this postpartum period would completely understand you saying that and would actually really welcome the opportunity to do something that will genuinely help you. So what can your visitors potentially do that would be helpful? Whether that's your mum popping on a wee wash for you or your best friend coming in and emptying your dishwasher. It's really important as well in this postpartum period to prioritise your own needs. Please don't let everything fall by the wayside because you deserve your needs to be catered to just as much as your baby deserves their needs to be catered to. And I know that that sounds... Probably right now, especially if, if if you're listening to this pregnant, you're probably thinking, 
well obviously, but it is so easy to let your needs feel fall by the wayside. So you deserve to drink water during the day and not be dehydrated. You deserve to eat food and not feel starving all day. So some wee tips that can help. I would always recommend getting, you know, those special drink cups that you can get that either keep your drink really cold or they keep your drink really hot. That can be so helpful. Also a bottle with a straw that you can close over so that you can just literally have it sitting beside you on the couch so it's really easy to reach if your baby falls asleep on you. Keep snacks lying around as well for that exact same reason. So you might want to have a little snack bag in the living room and in your bedroom just so that you can easily access food at any time. But if you do have your baby in the sling a lot as well, this can also help make sure that you can still meet your own needs as well. You might also want to consider preparing some meals beforehand, maybe when you're pregnant and just popping them in the freezer so that they're ready to go. It's totally fine for you to live off easy meals for the first few weeks back, whether that's takeout food, whether that is food in the freezer, you know, frozen meals like pizzas and all these easy things that require next to no effort from you. It's totally fine to do that, okay? Don't be thinking that you need to cook four-course gourmet meals if that just feels too much for you. Obviously, nutrition in the fourth trimester, especially if you're breastfeeding, is really valuable, but I do think we need to be realistic as well. If it's just you in the house with your baby, that can feel really difficult. But if you do want to focus on the nutrition element, obviously preparing those meals and popping them in the freezer beforehand can be something that can be really helpful for you. So like I said earlier, sling wearing, so handy. Please check that out because that is literally, probably actually my top tip for for the postpartum period. And my last tip is to be honest when someone asks you how you are because we are so bad at doing this and just sugarcoating and I remember it so well when I had my first baby. I was terrified to say that I wasn't okay because I thought that everybody would think that I was a bad mum, that I wasn't coping, I felt embarrassed, I felt ashamed but realistically looking back I now know that all my family and my friends would have ever wanted was to support me and none of my loved ones would have ever judged me for saying that I wasn't okay or that I was struggling. So looking back, I don't know why I did that. That is probably one of my biggest regrets, just not being honest, because if you're not honest, then you can't get the support that you need. So if somebody asks how you are, please just tell them the truth. Allow yourself to be vulnerable because vulnerability actually is what builds connection and I promise any of your loved ones will just want to be there for you and do something that can help. But what I want you to take away from this episode is that remember it takes time okay it's going to take time for you to find your feet in this fourth trimester. It's perfectly normal for you to feel like it's very chaotic like you don't know what you're doing to have those roller coaster emotions all of that is perfectly normal and remember nobody's got it figured out we are all just winging it. We are all just winging it. So don't put that pressure on yourself when it comes to your baby. It's going to take time to learn what they need and when they need it. So please know that it's just about riding the wave in this fourth trimester, especially take every day as it comes and just do your best. And please make sure that you're openly communicating how you're feeling. And if you do have these really intense negative feelings that you talk about them with the people that love you and want to support you. 
So I really hope that you've enjoyed today's episode and that you've been able to take something away from it, whether that's feeling less alone or more in the know. If you have enjoyed today's episode, the usual stuff applies. A review or a share with a friend is a really great way for me to build my community so that I can help more women. All the good stuff is in the show notes, guys, including details on how to work with me, or you can check out my website at www.breathingtobirth.com. I'll see you next week.